It's Bianca Del Rio, and we're back with another episode of The Bianca Del Rio Podcast. And today is a friend of mine. I mean, this is what's been the great thing about having a podcast, is that you can have your friends come on the show. And I say friend, meaning it was someone that I admired and respected and loved in the theater drag cabaret world as a performer. I always thought she was top-notch. I got to see her many times and cackled and laughed my ass off. And this is a woman who is unapologetic and also very fucking funny. So let's take a minute to listen to my interview with the brilliant Pam Ann. And here we are now with the fabulous Pam Ann. How are you, lovely? Hi, I am amazing. I am, I've been cleaning my house. Okay, so that means you're back on meth again? Is that what it is? I am. Yes. So you caught me out, you know? I was just racking some up now so I could speak to you and keep up with you. Isn't that the case, though? I mean, you know, I don't know, but I remember years ago when I actually tried crystal meth. It wasn't my favorite drug, but it was the most productive. Don't you know? Like, like I got shit done when I was on meth, you know? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't really tried it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought for sure if anyone would have tried it, it would have been you. There is no, no way I've done meth and you have not. This is wild. This is a first. It is a first. Okay, there so you wait. go. Uh, so you're Whit. You were like that Whitney. Uh, you know when Diane Sawyer's like it's crazy. Oh yeah. Well, you know I'm a Whitney. You know I only do the good quality stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's it. see. So what is your drug of choice? Because I let me tell you, I always started out. I'll give you an insight. I started out as a pill popping cohort. You know, so it's like if I could have the pill, then I could have like a little drink, like a Vicodin and a drink, and then yeah. when I get too drunk, then I would do a little bit of cocaine, and then that would kind of balance me out. You know. Through throughout the night. So that was always my recipe. But now that I've gotten older, I've gotten um, excited about gummies and weed gummies and anything that kind of chills me the fuck out, especially after this past year, which has been crazy. So I've transitioned, as they say, into, you know, a a more functioning drug, I think. So what is your drug of choice? Whether it be past or present, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'd say, you know, I exhausted Coke. Uh, I actually exhausted Coke. Mm. So, yeah, Coke even gave up on you. Coke said, I'm out. I'm out. They're like, (laughs) we're sick of hearing you. Like, (laughs) knacking on about nothing. We've heard that monologue many, many times. (laughs) Of course. Go to a therapist. Your friends are sick of you. (laughs) And they're like, stop it. We don't want to even get into a line for you. No, not not even a line. No formation. I love it. Even the dealers didn't want to come up and see me because I'd want to fuck them too. No, wait, talk to me now. Does this, when when you, like, like, I'm curious because I have never had, I've never, this is like the drug episode, but we're going to just start out with this because why not? But (laughs) I have never, I, I, in my youth, I, I knew people who sold drugs, but I never had a personal dealer. I was always the one who did drugs. I did everybody else's drugs. You know, basically I was what you would call a bump buzzard. You know, you just circle that one fag that has the drugs and you're going back and forth. You know, that's what it was for me. So I never had it on me unless somebody gave it to me. And I'm not saying that to sound fancy. I just meant I've never been the one to wheel and deal because I'm uh, I'm too cheap. So with you, did you have your regular drug dealing person that would come and see you? Or was it, you know... 
Well, to be honest with you, I really didn't start ta- doing any coke until I got to New York City. Really? What year was that? Yeah, that was 2009. Oh, 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 wait, you didn't get to New York till then? Yeah. I did I not realize that. No, I knew that, but I didn't realize that you had not lived in New York till then. That's wild, because I thought you were in New York earlier than that. Okay, well, we'll talk oh, yeah, about your real life in a minute. talked but... to everybody there as well. Uh, good, good, good. You moved on. You, moved... you know what they say? The way to make a name for yourself is move to a new city and then change your name. So it's a perfect situation. It you know? perfect, yeah. I mean, Pam Ann I'd been doing, but I moved to New York in 2009. Uh-huh. And everything, it was like the year Grinder was founded, there was online dating started. So there was just this huge recipe of, like, you could have cock, coke, and everything delivered to your apartment. See, We've how nice. Yeah, how nice. Well, with the dealers, maybe not. But I, yeah. I, had, <laughs> I had one dealer that a friend, not that I had a constant yeah. dealer. Well, maybe yeah. I lie. <laughs> okay, it's okay, you know. But there was this time, so there was this big fat guy and every one of my friends used this guy he was huge like really big can i say fat or i'd be canceled no i think you're fine look listen as we always say about lady bunny if you're if you stay canceled you can't be canceled again so it's fine i think we're both safe here i don't know about that no no you can't no trust me i get canceled every other day because somebody doesn't like something we'll get into cancel culture in a minute but but tell me about your, your your pleasantly plump uh, yeah, dealer. Plump, ginger, big, big dealer. So it take him a while. I used to live in Silver Towers in New York City and he'd yeah. come up to the 35th floor, you know, knock on the door and anyway, we'd do the scenario. Yes. And um, he'd leave and then one time I was coming back from London, I'd hit the ground running JFK and as soon as I get to JFK, I was like, oh, I'm going to call my dealer. Right. So, Get the get the dealer over, and then he bubbles. His name was Bubbles. Oh, bubbles. that's okay. Okay, I and knew so girl. Bubbles, bubbles. I I text him and I said, "Look, you know, I'm heading home. Could you be there in like an hour?" And he's like, "I can't be, but I'll send my brother." Oh God! And I said, "No, no, 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 no. I need to see you. I'm too right. paranoid. Sure, like this isn't going to happen." And he said. Well, what do you mean? You've been seeing my brother. Here, I let the cat out the bag. <laughs> You've oh. been seeing my brother for the last year or whatever. Month, really? Whatever. And I said, he said, we're twins. No. So I didn't realize that. I said, God, you look good. You lost weight. Then he's fat. And then he's No, he's no. Then, that yeah. is genius that it's the same. That is funny that there's twins. Because, you know, I was going to say, if you have an overweight drug dealer, that means the cocaine isn't working. Do you know what I'm saying? It's oh, like, right. yeah. What's that joke that they say? Um, uh, uh, cocaine. Well, that person is proof that cocaine doesn't make you lose weight, just makes you eat faster. You know, it's one of those yeah. things that you just look at it and go, wow. So that's crazy. So you had twin drug dealers, Bubbles. And what was the brother's name? Did he have a different well, name? Just you just called everybody Bubbles. Fun. I I only thought there was one person. That's genius. So it freaked me out. I went, oh, okay. Well, that's, you know, that's also just a lovely little story to t- add to the end of drugs. You know, when you think about it, you're bringing families together, Pam. That is a beautiful thing. Family working together to get you fucked up. Now, that is a treat. That is a treat. Now, I find now that I've gotten older, um, I, I can't even, like, go there. Like, my mind will go, yeah, let, let me let me try it. But now I'm like, ooh, that recovery is too fucking much the next day. I can't be bothered. And then if you throw in travel, travel makes it worse. You know what I mean? Travel. Traveling hung over, traveling strung out is never. I see you shaking your head because you know exactly what I'm saying. It's that feeling of death, you yeah. know. 
Yeah. I mean, if I have one vodka now and I wake up like, oh. Exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, is it tolerance or is it just that we did it so good back then that now we're like, ooh. I think with the drugs, I think your body, your whole chemistry changes and it doesn't do the same effect anymore. Yeah, well, that and makes then sense. It gets, all it gives me is a panic attack and I'd have to leave. Like, oh, I, we don't want that. I wouldn't touch it anymore. Like that was that was sort of the New York days, you know. You get yeah. caught up in this sort of when New York when you know XL and there yes. was you know the boom boom. I mean that's all still going, but it was just a time. It was like a time capsule and all the fashion crowd. You know, you sort yeah. of go on. All right. Yeah, you roll in with it. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild. So let me ask you this, you know, that we've spent 20 minutes talking about drugs. I am curious because I pers- per- I, per- I chose not to do extensive research on you before we come in because I want to know your story. And I figure I'd rather have you tell it than me go, so on this date, you did this. On this date, you did that. So I've known you for quite some time and I've known you as a performer forever. I mean, you know, you go down as, you know, a Lady Bunny, a Varla Jean Merman, the girls that were around working and out in the world creating cabaret shows back when there was no drag on television, where there was no performance up that was obscure, that was out and about, that y'all were the traveling queens. And I always loved it because I thought, what great what, what great showmanship it shows, especially after all these years. Because how long have you done Pam Man? I started in 1996. Okay, so did I. So it's one of those things where you were doing it on a level that was like you're traveling, you're doing the cruise ships, you're traveling around the globe doing your shows. I mean, people didn't have those opportunities often, and, and there's only few that are still standing that still can fill a room and do that. So my hat's off to anybody who's been doing it as long as you've been doing it, and also still keeping it fresh and funny. But how did it, how did it all begin? I know you said you grew up in London. How did this all come about? When did you decide? Where were you in your mind where you said, I'm giving up real life and I'm going to become <laughs> Pam Ann? Well, you know, it was sort of out of, I really wanted to be an actress. Yes. So I was like very young, like 17. And, you know, I, I, I really wanted to be a dramatic actress, but I worked, I've done everything. Like I've, I sold mannequins. I did window display. I worked in yeah. fashion. I, you know, fashion was, you know, I really wanted to be a fashion designer. And I, I've just done so many different jobs. But acting was one that, well, acting and also like getting, I, I mean, the comedy came later. But so the acting stuff, I was very shy when I was young. So you, yeah, you were shy. I, I find really that. shy. Okay. Okay. Like I'm really debilitatingly shy. Interesting. I would not have suspect. I would not have guessed that at all. At all. It's definitely something I wouldn't say about you. But okay. So this is you as a child. You're shy and demure. (laughs) My my parents are just baffled still. Like, how are you doing this? And yeah, it comes back every now and then. I get a bit shy, but um, I think um, that was like a reason for me to like either I live in this hell or I try and come out of myself a bit. Yeah. So I did these improv classes and I really loved it. And then I started doing the acting, but the acting, um, I was awful. Like no. horrible. Like oh. I I I just couldn't read off a script. Really? And I get so nervous in an audition, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Why I, like and that's a, the only way I thought I could be in this industry yeah. is to come up with my own thing. Sure. So yeah. 
So wait, um, so here you are, here you are wanting to be an actress. You're auditioning and you, you're overcoming your shyness with it. But you're going, I could write better than this. I could talk better than this. I'm funnier than this. Did you feel that? Or did you feel like, oh, shit, I backed myself into a corner now. Now I'm not going to be an actress. I mean, what stemmed? Where did you when did you go? I need to just create my own thing. Where did you get that confidence from? When did that shift? Because I, I always find that t- telling when you talk to somebody. Some people say, I, I was born to be on the stage and do what I do. But I like to hear people's transition because like like you, I didn't plan on being a drag queen or a performer. You know, it's just I had 20 different jobs just like you did yeah. and kind of skirted through and did whatever came my way. People and jobs. Uh, you do what you got to do. And then you go, oh, wow, this is the lane I'm in now. OK, great. You know, and, and you roll with it. So what what got you into the lane of saying, I'm going to create my own world, I guess you could say. I guess having a lot of uh, rejection. Yeah. Like a lot of, you know, knows this isn't going to happen. I actually very delusionally thought I was kind of great in some of these auditions. Oh, really? But then I realized that you can't improvise Shakespeare. Yeah. 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 And I did. I thought yeah. I was doing something groundbreaking. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> I realized after a lot of rejection and um, I thought, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get into a the one stage. woman show or something? Yeah. Get on and the I stage. Thought, um, yeah. Sandra Bernhard. Yes. Yeah. Without You, I'm Nothing. Mm hmm. That show, Stephen Burkoff, he did a one-man show. He came to Melbourne. And my dad and mum would always take me to the theatre. Mm-hmm. And Dame Edna. They were my three oh. big inspirations. Yes. And that's when I went, right. I could do I'd this. I'd like to create a one-woman show. Yeah. So, how, okay. So, here it is. You're watching these other people create this magic. And you're saying, hey, I need to do that. I need to get on the stage. I'm going to make this happen. What took you into Pam Ann? The flight attendant. How how did how did that come about? Because it's a very I've, and I've seen your show and I'm still laughing and I I I, I saw it at Excel when we were there uh, doing the show after you, me and Bunny, and I finally got to see you. And I love you. I love you and Bunny on a Tuesday uh, night, wasn't it? It was like Tuesday or Wednesday. Yes, I mean I imagine. I fucking loved it. It was amazing. you guys. It's hilarious. Rotted, rotted. That's what we are. But I remember watching you, and I know you probably hear this quite often, and this is not a an insult, but I forget sometimes that you're a woman. I forget <laughs> that you're a real woman up there because everything is so fabulously over-exaggerated, the costumes, the comedy, the performance, that I'm sitting there watching, and I'm going, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I know her. I know her. You know, and it's that moment when it's such a, a drag approach to it. It's such a broad defined character and that's what i find amazing because you know there's certain people that can do that coco peru can do that varla jean mervin can do that you can do that you know where you're committed to this is who this is who i'm presenting to the audience you know what i mean and it's no holes barred and you roll with it beautifully so what brought you into the airline scenario and did was your first show was your first show listed as a pam ann situation where you were you know uh dealing with airlines or was it something else that kind of molded itself into it well i guess the the drag side of me uh that the drag side i i went to every all my friends were drag queens and so i was at every drag i was at every drag venue you know so i always say that i was brought up by the drag and the drag attic and trans arts yes i went to that school they taught me you know yeah 
they would hijack me and put me in a room for eight hours and make me watch Miss Universe, like my trans friends in Australia. So I was kind of, you know, groomed. Yes. Okay. Good word. um, (laughs) No. And then uh, Pear Man was born. I loved, I used to host this uh, club night on a Friday. It was a club called The Lounge in Melbourne. Uh Uh-huh. And it was sort of acid jazz funk night. And I used to have, I used to want everyone to dress up. Okay. So I'd have these theme nights. Uh-huh. And um, so my birthday was always a theme and I was always wanting a theme. I'm the gay man. Yeah. And I am. Maybe you think I am anyway. No, so, no, I no, totally, no, you know, we love a party. You know, we love a party and a theme. So that's what I'm saying. All roads lead to it. But yes, yes, yeah, I got gotcha. you. So basically I had this party and, it was in this Japanese restaurant and it was the James Bond theme. And okay. everyone had to come as something from James Bond. And I remember seeing James Bond flying on a Pan American plane in one of the films. And I and I always loved the airlines and growing up in Australia, flying was just so an event. Fancy. Like yes. it was I never thought I'd leave Australia. Yeah. Because I thought this is my life, and I'd watch the planes, and I'd be like, "Oh, I want to go on." Like my first international flight wasn't until I was like twenty, twenty-four or something. Oh wow, me too. Mine wasn't until I was like thirty-seven. Was uh, thirty-eight? Thirty. I was thirty-eight when I took wow. my first. Yeah, I know. Crazy pants. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was. It was. I always liked the um, the sixties. My mum's very glamorous. She's always yes. very. You know, I love her style in the sixties and. So I went as a Pan Am 1960s air hostess. And then and it all began. You yeah. know, and then all these, I had these guys dressed as like a fencer, you know, the fencing with yeah. the uh, yeah, yeah. girls in bikinis. Like it was a crazy party. And I got absolutely shit-faced. And <laughs> everyone I, was calling me Pan Am. Brilliant. And I, and then I was so drunk, I thought it was Pam Am. And I woke <laughs> up and I went, it's Pam Am. That's it. Yes. Brilliant. And that's how it began. Shoot alcohol. No, no, but no, truly. I think, no, I think that's amazing. I was always fascinated with how, how, because it's such a, it's such a specific approach to things. You know what I mean? And I'm like, what, how did you get to be a stewardess and create this world that you live in? Because I love all the fashions as you do. I love all the hair. I love all the little hats. You're amazing. Oh, please. You've got it together. You've got it together. Oh, what I'd give for Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up. No, but I think I think that's amazing. So at this theme night is when you've become Pam Ann. You are now Pam Ann, and now you're going to take it to the next level. Now you're going to go ahead and create a show. Is that what's going to happen? Yeah, well, I was. I, I had a typewriter. I used to live in this uh, house with three other, a, a gay dancer and my okay. friend uh, Richard, who used to do my... He's really camp and hilarious. And we work together in this cafe and he is just so dry and he would he would just do all this stuff that was hilarious. And he's still a good friend of mine today and really brutal. Yeah. And I get a lot of Pam from him. Sometimes I think I'm channeling him. Perfect. Um, but That's I live okay. with it and and Susie, this hot girl who's like a newsreader. Uh-huh. There was the four of us in this house and I had this typewriter downstairs and no, no, no. This is what we did back in the day. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I basically, I wrote 
uh, my first character was called Trajina. Okay. And it was based on me being a big club head and a raver. And, you know, I did everything, goth, raver, everything. I was, like, in everything. Yeah. And so I did this character, Trajina, which was based on a um, a night out at the club. So it was like a monologue that took you from going out to going out, having an ecstasy, going on the high, oh coming out, and then having to come down. And um, so that's the character I was really drawn to, to be honest. Gotcha. And so the lounge where I did my gig on a Friday where I used to just run around and promote. Yeah. Um, Marcel, the PR girl that used to do the PR there, she was going away and she said, could you um, fill in for me with Carlos, the owner? And I said, sure, I'll help with the PR and stuff. So while I was doing that, I asked Carlos, uh, Carlo, Carlos, if I could do a show there. They hadn't Mm -hmm. really done a show. He said, sure. So I had Trajina as my main character. Character, yeah. It was just before the Spice Girls. I had the big platform, uh, big platform sneakers were in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Flashing, and I had the Jean Paul Gaultier dot, you know, the the dotted uh, outfit, and I was really fashion. Big dreadlock pigtails, if you get the picture. Yeah, you were feeling it. So I was feeling that, and then the Malt House where I worked with Richard at the cafe. The owner there, he said, I'll sponsor the show. Carlos said, do the show. And then Pam Ann was the second act. Oh, and so okay. She was the air hostess. And so my friends dressed up as my drag friends were all hostesses in the audience. And then the cafe made little in-flight meals. Brilliant. It was a whole community of people, it you was. know, bringing what? the whole thing together and Pam Ann, I basically, my friend worked at Anset and she gave me a safety manual. Yeah. And I pretty much just read off it. There were no jokes or anything. To be honest with you, I was more interested in doing the poster. Really? Wait, wait, we're going to take a quick break and listen to our sponsors and we're going to be right back with Pam Ann to hear the early beginnings of how she became a whore. And now we're back with Pam Ann once again, and we're discussing the beginnings of her career. We'll get to her being a whore a little bit later because that kind of comes with fame, as we all know. But here you are now reading the pamphlet, no jokes, and you're just pretending that you're an air hostess. That's just what it is for the second act of the show. All your drag friends are dressed up like air hostesses. And is it killing? Is it working? Is everybody fascinated by this? Is everybody going, yeah, this is good? Yeah, it was really amazing because I found the laughs, you know, and I... Didn't, I Look, I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know whether I actually wanted to be a dramatic actress. Like, right, right, you know, right, right. <laughs> yes, you wanted to I do was, Shakespeare. Oh, yes. If we would have lost you, you know, honestly, Meryl Streep would have competition. But I'm glad that we got you instead because, you know, you're a fucking riot. But yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just hilarious. Like, honest to God. Um, sometimes I think, God, I, I, you know, because I see these actors and I'm like, oh, it's, you know. Anyway, so, yeah, I just didn't know what it would be. But, yeah, I, I got the laughs and, the you know, it came out of just sort of physicality. And, yeah. you know, I had the cocaine back then too. I'd never done yeah. cocaine, but I thought, oh, this is amazing. She trafficked strokes. 
Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but also, but also at that time, I, I don't think people realize, but at that time, drugs, it, cocaine was like the drug. You know what I mean? Like it was uh, available. It was around. And to be very honest, it wasn't as... Um, uh, insane as some of the other drugs. It wasn't like ketamine. It wasn't like ecstasy. It wasn't like a hallucinatory situation. This was just something to kind of keep you peppy, keep you going, you know? So I get it because I'm in that world too because I was like, when I grew up, that's just what it was. We didn't have grinder. We didn't have social media. We didn't have phones to be scrolling on. We just did cocaine and circled the bathroom. Bump buzzard, <laughs> bump buzzard. Yeah. So here it is. You've now done this act and you're thinking, hey, I've got something here. I'm going to create a, a touring show. How do you get from this little cafe and how do you get there or the nightclub to performing all around the world? Because you've been fucking everywhere. Every cruise ship, every oh, goddamn you. port. No, you have. It's <laughs> insane. So how did it, how, when did you t start taking it seriously or did you ever take it seriously? Like, did you get a manager or somebody to handle you? Because I find the hardest part is when people say, what do you want to do? And I say, I don't know what I want to do. I know what I don't want to do, but I don't know what I don't want to do until I experience it. Like Akron, Ohio. Don't go. I've been there three times because it's money, but it's the worst place to go. Um, and if you're listening from Akron, money. I apologize, but I like money, so I go. It's not the people, it's the place. But anyway, uh, how did you then take it seriously and then take Pam on the road? And, and how, did you even know at the time, I guess that's the question, did you know at the time that there was a market for this, you know, that there was an audience for it? <laughs> Well, no, because all everyone said I was like the reviews came in. They're not good. Mm. Well, I thought one was good. One was like uh, style over substance. And I went, yeah, that was what I was going for. <laughs> okay, great, great, great. Every now and, and then, then. The other one was like one trick. I've always had one trick pony. Oh, welcome to my <laughs> world. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, the pony's really working hard. Like, exactly. Amazing. You only need one pony. Right. I agree. It lasts a long time. Agreed. Agreed. So, I, you know. No, I call it I call it structure. And, and also it's the character that you've developed. So, I mean, one trick pony. What do they want? They want monkeys to fly out of your ass. What do they want? 18 dancers to show up like you're doing what you do. And wh what you do beautifully is aside from, you know, the insane scenarios is the audience participation. So was that like, like you know, reaching out to people because you're not afraid, which is also my thing. I commend anyone I mean, who's not afraid. No, I, I live I, for those I, moments with yeah. people. How did Pam get into that world? How did then, how, how much of that, I guess, became part of the show in the early days? Or has it just grown over the years? It's definitely grown. I mean, Pam and back, because I moved from Melbourne to Sydney and I worked at the Aubrey Hotel, which is a, was an iconic um, drag venue back in uh -huh. the late 90s and early, I guess all 90s, but I got there around 1997. 90, 90, uh-huh. And like Polly Petrie, Carlotta. Uh, Polly. Polly. Hello, Polly. Petrie. Polly's my good friend. Polly, if, Polly, if you're listening, I love you, Polly. Polly. Uh, Courtney Act introduced me to Polly. Polly is my good girlfriend. We chat on Facebook. She comes to my show. I love Polly to death. I love Polly. Polly's yeah. a legend. She's an Aussie icon, you know. And yes. So Polly and I would do Sundays. Oh. Yeah. No, I never forget Polly because I would do the little room next door yeah. and then she called it the auditorium. Oh. And, <laughs> and one day, you know, um, uh, I was doing my, I, I got moved from Tuesdays. And, you know, in the drag world, it's like, well, you got my Tuesdays, bitch, or you got my Wednesdays. Of course. You know, of course. They, they can be really ferocious. Cutthroat. Yeah. 
you know, I was yeah. cornered downstairs by Porsche Turbo and two Muscle Marys telling me off for taking their their Sunday. I said, yeah, but it's not my choice. Like, right. Anyway, that high Porsche Turbo. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, I, I do know they're cutthroat when it's become specifically. And also the gays get so used to a schedule. Like we go out on a Monday night for this. I mean, I worked in New Orleans, did a Monday night show, a Wednesday night show, a Thursday, Friday and Sunday. I was doing bingo. Dreadful. But those were the those were, you know, I mean, I'm saying dreadful meaning yeah, like three hours of I doing mean, bingo three days in a row with people that could give a shit. I mean, honestly, that's where my drinking came in. But nonetheless, yeah. So here you are. You're working with Polly. You're in the Polly. tiny room. She's in the fucking auditorium. I'm living it up and yeah, and then I get the and then Polly's like you've got the auditorium ah, so you've no, moved on I, yeah so she's like to me Polly is everything to me Love and her. so I would do the show before her before Polly's Follies. Yes. And and I loved performing at the Aubrey with all the all the drag queens. But yeah, I um, so basically I was at the Aubrey and um Polly, I did the shows there. And, you know, to me, it was just, I was doing market research at the time. I had no money. I was living with Kevin Murphy. Um, this uh, hair, He does all these amazing hair products and doing Kylie tours and everything. Ooh. And so it was just, everything's happened very organically, to be honest. Yeah. And then my mum's British and I thought, well, I might try and go to London. So. Yeah. That was the next big stage, and I think that when I took it really seriously was in the early 2000s. Yeah. Like when I started to really get to London and do all, every single club, every gay bar, backroom, sauna, yep. lesbian, yep. everything. But doesn't that, doesn't that, don't you find, I, I say, that I wouldn't appreciate the things I have now if I have not experienced all of those places. You know, all of those no dressing room, uh, broom closet slash manager's office that you're changing your clothes in, no lights, sometimes no microphone, uh, smoky clubs uh, in the back. Uh, you know, you're the lead one day, you're in the back the next day. I mean, if I wouldn't have experienced all those I don't want to say shitty moments, but I mean, now I look at it and go, wow, I, I put up with some shit, you know, that I go, I wouldn't appreciate what I have now. So do you feel that same way? Um, absolutely. I think it gives you, well, I also think those moments that some of those clubs made Pam a bit more ferocious. If you yeah. Like, like if you met her back in Sydney, uh, like wouldn't say cunt. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean. I'd say fuck or something, but I was like my one-way ticket in sixties, you know. Yeah. I never traveled. <laughs> yeah, so okay, so you're like not, you're thinking I'm gonna be appropriate and funny, whereas when you deal with that type of audience, like I, I'm well aware, a, a, a drunk bitch will cross you over, and and then it's free reign, you know. Uh, then it becomes a whole nother dynamic. Like I was in the beginning used just to kill time in between people doing costume changes. So that's where the nastiness came from for me because, you know, it's a Wednesday night at midnight. We're doing a fucking drag show in New Orleans with drunk people who would rather, remember this, back in the day, people like to dance. They would rather dance than watch a drag show. So I was dealing with an unruly audience as well, which I think brought me to another level. And is that, is that basically what you're saying happened to Pam? Then Pam became yeah. this, this, this beast. Yeah, like had to control it became less comedy and more crowd control yeah i'm the same as you i worked at uh what was it um south central or the central club in king's cross i forget the name of it um but i realized years later 
you know. Yeah. There was a fuck club downstairs, and I wondered why everyone was so keen for me to get off. Uh, I, I think it might go over because it opened at 12. Uh, and I, so you, like, I couldn't figure it out. You like, need what? to finish the show. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. They only wanted me there either for the license or to yeah. feel until the fuck club opened. So, Ge- genius. Know, Genius. Don't, think, don't, don't think you're that good. <laughs> no, 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 you're never that good. But I think I, I've often said, you know, now as, in retrospect, I go, wow, how did I go through it? How did I deal with it? I'm sure the answer is cocaine. But I mean, all those years of, of doing all of those different things without even realizing that you're kind of on this um, little snail trajectory, you know, you're moving and you don't realize it. You know, you're just kind of just doing what you need to do to get through it. You're making a couple of dollars. You're getting to travel. You know, it's the little things that I think trigger it. And, and that sounds very familiar to what you've experienced, that it was just like, okay, today I'm doing this, tomorrow I'm doing that. What's, what's coming my way, I'll take it. Yeah, it was, it was survival as well. Like living in London was expensive. And, yeah. Um, you know, I was working every night almost. And, and, and like, you know, you know, at 2 a.m. in the morning at the White Swan in East London in the middle of winter, ain't fun. Nope, nope, it ain't it's fun, not no. fun, especially no. with your boyfriends at home uh-huh. having a lovely time. I'm like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And like you said, like the microphones with sticky tape, uh, you got to crouch under the stage. Oh, I'm here, hi. Yeah, like, uh-huh. <laughs> It's horrible. No, and don't you don't you see like what is I'm curious after after these years because I started in '96 as well. Is I'm curious what is your worst memory of like what is the ultimate situation? You know, uh, either a gay pride or a cabaret room or wherever you were that you went. Now this is one I will never forget. This is the 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 worst that could ever happen. And then I'll ask you about your good ones too. But what is the worst place you've been? Scenario, club, what was the worst thing someone made you experience or or have happen while you're performing as Pam Am? Well, it's 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 And not- if you say if you say every every gig I'm going to cackle. But yeah, you tell me. I where- mean, every gig. Yeah, every gig. <laughs> no, there's one one thing that one experience that I mean, it comes to mind that is shocking. That yeah. was like, it was, um, it was, I, w- I opened for Cher. Back oh, okay, in- okay, stop right there. You can't just casually <laughs> throw this out there. Okay, so we're talking about the real Cher. Cher, Cher. Cher, Sherilyn Sarkeesian Cher. Okay, Cher, Cher. Now, set the fucking scene. Which farewell <laughs> tour was this? Because there was 20. Which one was it? And set this up properly. Because she just casually throw out, <laughs> when I open for share. Spill it. Come on. Give me the dirt. This is a yeah, fag you're talking to. That's traumatic. That's the story. Like, okay. It's... Yeah. So how did you How did you get to open for share and where were I you? No, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> like, Wait. Did you get a call from share or share's people that said, hey, we want you to open? Or did you know somebody that was linked and they said, hey, get Pam? Like what? No, I was doing a show at the Seymour Centre in Sydney. Okay. And her manager, Roger Davies, he's an mm-hmm. Australian. He's a real Aussie, you know? Yeah. And he came to my show and Cher had just finished the US leg and Cindy Lauper was opening for her there. And I saw I think it. that she wanted to do something different in the UK. And Roger had seen my show and he was like, uh, he, he, his people messaged me and I said exactly what you said. I said, share, share, or share. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, like who? Parents, 
My parents said too. They're like, share the trip. The, the real share. Yeah. Yeah, they, they still don't believe it was her. That's that's insane. So you get the call to go and do this, and yeah. and of, of course you say yes. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. You say yes, and what's the deal and, here? How many how many shows are you doing? Uh, did you hang out with her? Did you talk? Did you do blow with her? Tell us. Did you do blow with Cher? Oh man, not, you never really. All you saw, like I saw your uh, wigs. I think you have them all lined up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The post I saw that reminded me of the share tour because. Dory, uh, Dory, I think her assistant was, or the hairstyle, yeah. she'd walk past my dressing room with those wigs, just head wigs after no. head of wigs. Yes. I was like, it's amazing. Yes, that's drag, honey. That's drag. Michelle knows, yeah. Insane, but I never, I w- it was like, have you ever seen that Christopher Guest film, Waiting for Guffman? Yes, 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 yes. Well, it was that was me on tour. No, really? <laughs> I was so like, you... waiting for Cher. Yeah, the whole time. The whole time, but... The, in my show, when I well, we started in uh, Dublin, I think mm-hmm. it was Dublin or Glasgow, I can't remember, but I think it was Dublin. Um, oh, and and uh, I had cock sucking in my dialogue, and oh, I, God. Had, I had it twice. Okay, and she said, "Oh, you can have one." Oh, interesting. She let me okay. have one cock sucking, and okay. then the other one was bipped up. <laughs> now, was that weird. was that brought on by her? I mean, like, uh, or, or like, how do you even prepare material for for a, a, a share audience or shares people? Like to me, that would seem so intimidating. You know, to go, oh God, I don't want to upset share. I don't want to do the wrong thing. Or was it just kind of like it's a gig? You go and you do it. Mm. Oh, hell no! I wanted to die. I was hoping that I'd get killed. Like I really, <laughs> that's, I that's, that's, murder me. I wanted someone to push me down the stairs. I just don't know why I said yes. I was yeah. like, it sounds great, it's amazing. But then when you're there, I'm like, well, I don't know whether I really want to do this anymore. This is scary. Yeah. yeah. So we did the show in Dublin, and I had two dancers with me, and basically mm-hmm. we. Um, Dublin to, as you know, Dublin to Belfast is just one straight line. Correct. Well, Cher got lost. Her driver got oh, lost. okay. <laughs> okay. And as you know, Belfast, you can't fuck with them. Like, <laughs> right. you know, Northern Ireland, you nope. know, you better show up or we'll blow you up. Right. Um. So basically Cher's like, Roger comes running in and says, Pam, you've got to uh, extend your set no. twenty minutes. No, so- and I'm I had like a tight twenty five, and that tight twenty five was also I would go. I have this like I would have to do it ten times in my head every before I go out any show. Like if I didn't do it, then it was going to be bad. Like I fucked yeah. myself up with a lot of mental issues. Sure. Um. So when I had to extend 25 minutes, I was like, he said, do the bag, do the bag. I went, what bag? He said, well, you know, when you're in the, when you go out in the audience, I used to go in the audience and take someone's bag and go through it and find drugs. Got it. That sounds good. Wrap it up in cling film and tie it and throw it back to them. Like the TSA. Brilliant. Brilliant. They do the bags at the airport, you know? Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Give it back to them. And it's funny. And, so basically, um, he said, put the bag in. And he'd always say, pink goes into the audience. I'm like, I'm oh. not a fucking acrobat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, he doesn't know what you do in the bedroom. Wait, wait, we're going to take we're going to take a short break. And we're going to be back with Pam Ann when she tells us that she filled in for share. We'll be right back. 
And we're back with Pam Ann, who was saying she kicked Cher and Cher couldn't make it to the show so she could be the lead in the school play. I totally understand this prospect. So here you are. You have to now add 25 minutes to your act. You're shitting yourself already. And you're thinking, what the fuck? Now, do you know Cher is late? Do you know that Cher is just going to be coming yeah, late? Or, okay, she's late and everyone's freaking out. The energy's really crazy. Oh, God. And the people in, and the audience are really, really over it because it oh, was great. freaking they're waiting outside. They came oh. in. So it was, they held the doors as long as they could. And so basically, um, so I, I I get my dancers and brief them and they're both looking at me like glazed over. You know, yeah. they've already gone. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get someone's bag out of the audience, which means, as you know, because you've yes. done Wembley on your own. Yes, solo, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm yes. open. Yeah. <laughs> um, the stage is like 15 foot high. It's high, yeah. Then you have six foot in front of you or, I don't know, a lot of space, security to get to someone. Like I need to get a security guy to get yeah. the bag. Yeah, so it's not an like, easy, it's not an easy, it's not an easy route to the floor. Yes. It's not an, yeah, it's, <laughs> there's, there's no easy exit. As a flight attendant, there's no exit. Yes. There is none. None. Yeah. And so I go out, I tell the dancers, I specifically said to them, when you get the bag, I want you to really wrap it up tight, like tight, 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 tight. A vacuum seal, vacuum seal. Vacuum yeah. Seal. Exactly. So we go out on stage. I do the first section of the show. And then I'm like, okay, um, I'm sorry. We've got to do a security check. There's some, if you did that today. <laughs> it would be, you would be, talk about canceled. You'd be killed. Yes, I get it. Okay. I didn't talk about that until I said it now. No, it, it would totally throw the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said, we've got a security check. I've got to go through someone's bag. Oh, oh God. God. So anyway, I get the bag, and the bag comes back, and it's like got about a foot of foot feathers on the top. You know one of those bags? It's got feathers. It's like billowing with feathers. Okay. And so, you know, you wear a bag, and some of them had the feathers coming out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you don't get the bag. No, I don't know the bag, but I'm 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 interested to see. I don't. I have no clue what the bag looks like. Oh, you know, it's like it's like a bag like this, but like it's a pineapple. Feathers. Like a pineapple. Like a pi- got it, got but it. It's okay. Feathers. Yes, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I take the bag, do the coat, give the bag to the boys, thinking, well, they'll go around the feathers, but they didn't. They snap, snap, no, snap, no, snap, no, snap, no, snap, no, no, all the feathers. No. So what was a big bag turned into a small ball? No, no. And, and as they're wrapping it up. I'm losing the crowd, and all I hear was stomping, going, we want shit. No! Yes! No! Now, yes! wait, what is it? 15,000 people saying, we want share, and you're up there with a broken purse and broken dreams. Oh, oh. my fucking God. So, okay, so you wrap this up, and you go off stage, and wh- what were you feeling? Were you feeling like, this is the oh. worst night of my fucking life? Well, I just knew that I had to go and do it again. Oh! Like- that's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah, yeah. No. So Sherry eventually made it and the concert went on, right? She made it. The concert yeah. went on. Everyone was happy. That, but, it's one of those things where you go, God, if that's going to be your worst, that, that's probably your, your, your worst story. And it had to be with Cher, like of all fucking times, like, God damn it. But, you know, but it also, to be fair, it's one of those things where, like you were saying, if you had your tight 25 and you were specific with t- tight 25 minutes, for those of you listening, yeah. her set 25 minutes that she was going to do <laughs> and being asked to do another 20 minutes. I mean, first of all, five minutes is a long fucking time on stage. Yeah. I don't think people realize that. And also, when you are not the star, so to speak, you know, like you say, people are there to see Cher, they're not there to see you, is that if you go too far... 
you can get in serious deep water. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's very, very oh. tricky. And I often say that, like, for instance, when I'm asked to do a benefit or, or something that's... Um, you know, uh, in a positive light, it is very challenging for me because I don't normally go to, I love everyone, everybody, everybody say love. That's some other drag queen's bullshit. That ain't mine. But it is a very weird line. Now, when they come to see me, you know, they're coming to see a cunt. They're coming to see a bitch. They're coming to see a clown, you know, that that's your audience. So do you find when you're performing, or if you're the fish out of water, so to speak, like the share situation, do you find yourself censoring or or cutting back on anything when you're performing do you go "Mm, maybe shouldn't say that it won't translate if they don't know pam ann's character well i guess the share tool sort of got me at the beginning of my career almost like when it was sort of getting popping when it was popping so i wasn't as um (laughs) over the Top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think they got me right at the right time. Good, good. Because I hadn't been damaged. Yes. Yeah. Like I hadn't been <laughs> you know, fucked up. I just recently said that to somebody that it's it's I, I often wonder with my life, it's not that I think that something's good or bad. I say I'm a damaged individual. Obviously, you'd have to be a damaged individual to make the choices I make, you know? And I'm not saying as a pity party thing for somebody to go, oh, you were damaged. I'm more suspicious of the people that had a structured and happy life as a child because I go, the fuck is what? Like that I don't get. I find that comedy comes from dark places. So I'm not mad with the scenario, but damaged is a word that I use. And a friend of mine said, don't say damaged. I go, no, it's the perfect word to use because I'm functioning, but I'm damaged. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I I probably agree with everything you said. Yeah. It's true. So here you are now, uh, you know, so Cher is gone out of your life. You're trekking on now. You've got the career. You're going, you're doing it. Um, you're, you're traveling the world doing cruises. And so many of my friends, because, uh, you know, I'm good friends with Sherry Vine. And I told her I was interviewing you today. And she's like, oh, my God, tell that bitch I fucking love that bitch. All the cruises we've done and all the fun we've had. Um, so she says hello. Um, I love Sherry Vine. I love you and Sherry. And oh, stuff. she is and the best. Oh, you saw the show. The, the Sherry. Oh. That's fucking die. That's the best sketch. I love it. Jackie B. But Jackie B, you do know that that's actually where you and I first met was when we did Sherry's original show. She did the show. She's living for this. And I had not met you. And I knew of you. And you were in New York. I was in New York. And she hired us to be... It was a, a, a plane segment. It was something to do with you. And I ended up being the Hispanic drag queen who was smuggling drugs. Do you remember this? I completely <laughs> forgot about it, but there is a sketch of me just inhaling blow and you as the attendant. I don't remember the jokes. I don't remember the setup, but that was the first time I met you. I was so intimidated. I was like, oh God, she's so together. She's got it all, you know, uh, the look, the style, everything. I'm like, she's professional. And here I am, just some drug mule in this video. We got to find it so we could, I'll, po- I'll have to post it uh, when this airs. I'll post it when this airs. But it was, that was the first time that I met you. It was through Sherry yeah well i thought the same about all of you like i'm like oh my god they've got it so together they're amazing i look so drab isn't that funny how funny we think uh, i was so skinny then too i was on this crazy diet put it all back on (laughs) no but listen we all fluctuate that's that's the way it works so that's so funny that Sherry Vaughn was the reason. I just realized that because I think I'm wearing some, you're wearing red, I believe. Yeah. And I'm wearing something with red. And I just remember a lot of cocaine around my nose. I'm wearing black wig. I don't remember the sketch or the story. So, yeah, Sherry, there we go. Sherry wrote that. I, I 
I went off what she gave me. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Now, she's great. She's a great, great performer. And I've enjoyed getting to work with her um, over the past few years. And she was one of the first people I met in New York that was actually very nice to me. Unlike many of the other queens, you know, it takes yeah. a lot to be a normal person. And she was always a normal person. So I've had yeah. the best run with her. But she says she has a good time with you on these cruises. How do those cruises work out for you? When you get on a gig like that, do you do two shows? Do you do one show a week? What's your, how does that work out? Because it's the, it's the, is it RSVP or Atlantis or you do all the above, right? No, I only do Atlantis, but then oh, Rich Atlantis. Campbell, who runs Atlantis, he bought RSVP as well. So ah. he has both. Um, so the Atlantis cruises, I started in back in like 2001 or something. Okay. Um, I was on some of their first cruises where they didn't realize that they'd run out of, we had to go to Turkey to get more vodka. Oh, wow. Because they realized the guys yeah. were going to drink everything on the ship in the of first Of course. Hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. So That's genius. Time <laughs> but, um... I would do like the first, I, I used to open the cruise, so it would set the tone. Mm -hmm. So I'd do the two two shows on one night, and then that was it. Really? So That's a sweet deal. It's a great deal. And the thing is, if you do fuck up on the shows, it's horrible if you stay on the cruise all week, because everyone will tell you. <laughs> like, so you know how they are? They're like, yes. you know, that was great, but. No, I hate people. Let's just be honest. I hate people. It's that thing. It's like you I always say when I fuck up, I, I know I fucked up and I I don't need any more ammunition. I'm well aware it's been established and we're good. But yeah. people like to drill it and drill it and drill it. So but I mean that's a sweet deal. You get a week, a week on the cruise and you do yeah. two shows first time. That's good. What are you what were you doing on your off time? That's the big question. Uh, the early days, we would yes. just get so fucked up, like really yeah. fucked well, you're, up. You're on a boat. That's what you do. On a boat, ecstasy. Like, I mean, the drugs oh. that the boys would give me, like or, like I, I would never take anything. You'd never take anything on the ship. Right. You'd get, you'd, uh, Rich Campbell's not going to like him saying this, but he's well aware of it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was it was amazing to be surrounded, like, you know, at the white party and, and the, yeah. the guy, guy would, uh, Guy Smith would do the lighting. He lived in New York. Yes. And he'd do all these lasers and all this amazing stuff. And I'll never forget, I went up to Guy. I was so high. Yeah. You know, I was just coming on my ear. I felt like glitter. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's amazing. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I ran up to guy and I was like the lights and I was buzzing. My body was tingling and I was wearing white, a 60s white wedding dress. And I ran up and I passed the dick deck where they're all sucking each other off. And I ran yes. up to the guy and I said, oh, my God. He, I said, those light, the lights are amazing. How do you get them so far out? And he said, that's a thunderstorm. <laughs> 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 That explains ship life all in one. Now that is that is some good shit. That is some, now that's pretty amazing. amazing. At least God he didn't take, tell you that story. At least he didn't take credit for the for the lightning. That's that's the crazy thing. <laughs> at least he didn't. He was very honest with you. But that's I mean no. I just I I'm amazed at your talents and the amazed at the amount of work that you've been able to do over the years. And you're now based in Miami. Is that correct? Or yeah, you're, you're, you're based in Miami. And are, is there anything exciting that you're working on now? Or are you just waiting for the world to get back to normal? Because, I mean, I'm in the same boat. It's like I go, what, what's to come? Are people out? Are people going to be out? You know, it's been some scary 
some scary yeah. times the past few months. Um, are you working on any new projects? Are you always working on something? You know, I know you've got some shit always boiling. So the question is, yeah. are you going to hit the road soon or are you taking time off? What are you feeling? Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I saw you're doing an amazing tour, U.S. tour. Yes, I had some American dates. Uh, it was one of those things where AEG, who handles the tour, was like, we have this opportunity and I think this is a good window. And I was like, are you sure people are going to be like, I don't know. So tickets have been selling, fingers crossed. Um, I just hope that the world gets back to normal. So this is kind of a test for me right now with mm -hmm. America. Uh, right. And then I'll be going to the UK to do that musical again. But that's a whole nother story. That's but, amazing. Yeah, yeah that's it's been a lot of fun. <clears throat> it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so, I mean, are you you're interested in touring again? Are you interested to get back on the road? What are you feeling? I don't know. Like, I, I've been doing, I, I found this amazing venue during the pandemic in Wilton Manors called yeah. Hunters. Yeah. And I was doing a weekly show there, which was just amazing. It was so good to get back on stage. And yes. Wilton Manors, the gay mecca of Florida, all the Brilliant. world. Yeah. Um, so I had a really amazing time there. I, I think I exhausted the community, though. It was time to bail. <laughs> no! Uh, but I'll go back. I'll give them a break, you know. Okay. It's getting the – a lot of these boys, they'll go to Palm Springs or they'll yeah. come to – everyone's sort of a bit transient at, during the summer here. Yeah. So I'm going to New York to do some shows at the Triad Theatre. Brilliant. Um, And I've been DJing. Ah, yes. And how's <laughs> so that going? I, I really love it. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. Like, no, DJ but listen, DJ. that never stopped Lady Bunny. That never stopped Lady Bunny. Listen, <laughs> yeah. no, that's good. So you've been DJing and, you, and you're enjoying that as well. Yeah, I love that. It's nice. It's, it's been a really good escape. And to do, um, you know, play music, uh, it's just been something different to, yeah. to be able to do. The comedy, as you know, it, it's so exhausting. You have to be so focused and it yes. takes a lot out of you. So it's nice. The DJing is just like this. I don't get nervous. I don't do any. I, it's so easy for me. Like, yes. like, oh, is this how people really live their lives? Because comedy, I'm a mess. Like, I don't yeah. know about your preparation. No, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I mean, how nice to go into a situation where you're also, I think, with, with DJing is that you get the experience. You're setting the party, but also enjoying the party. You know, I, I often tell people when you tell a joke that's funny, it's not smooth sailing. It's that while they're laughing, you're going, what can I say next to make this better? Now, when they don't laugh, that's when you're forced to go, fuck, what do I got? What do I got? What do I got? So it is you're not like going, oh, that landed. Let me take two minutes. No, you, you're still trying to in that hamster wheel trying to stay ahead. So how fabulous that you can play all the music that you want. And you can sit there and watch all the lightning shows that you want and feel the fantasy with the audience. That's amazing. That that's great. That's great. So so um, so you've got some shows coming up in New York. Try it. And how can everyone find you on your social medias? Because you're on Instagram as Pam and Wantsagram. Pam. Uh huh. And your email. I mean, not your email. Your uh, website. How can we find you on your website to find out where you're performing and what you're doing? Uh Pam, I always go, I'm so old. I no, it's all right. W, 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 <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Perfect. So, no, I, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Oh. I simply adore you. You make me cackle. And I missed you the last time I was in Miami. I was literally there for a day and a half to do this random gig. And then I went to Mexico. And you know what that was like. 
girl. Mexico did me in. You see, this is a perfect example. I had a week there and I had two gigs and there was time in between those gigs, which meant a lot of drinking and carrying on that I'm like, I'm too old for this shit. But then I would go over to the Farmacia and get me some uh, get me some Xanax and I was fine. So I'm well stocked now. So I'm good to go. But no, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. I simply love you and adore you. And I will hope to see you soon somewhere, uh, maybe in New York. I I will come check you out and get to see your show. Thank you so much. It's so nice to chat to you. And thanks for having me on. I adore you. I I look at your career and it's incredible. And I just like everything you do is just amazing. Well, you have wonderful taste. You have wonderful taste. No, thank you so much for taking the time. I simply love you. And I'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Pam Ann. Star Bands Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.